0: Whoever was the first to say tis better to give than to receive, obviously never was up for an Oscar.
1: Now they're wonderful. They all have their Oscars. But are they happy?
2: Hello, and welcome back to the Snub Club, the podcast where we talk about the movies of the most Oscar noms and no wins whatsoever. I'm your host, Danny Vincent, and I'm here to ask you guys the most important question. Death
3: or exile?
0: Well, I'm going to ponder that one. Uh, I'm Sarah. Uh, depending on when you're listening to this, whether it's 2023 or 2033, I have Scottish children.
1: <laughs> hello i am caleb and in your hands or ears dear listeners i commend this episode
2: nice was that your backup or no
1: no that was my original okay
2: cool so we're at the uh 44th academy awards 1971 where actually weirdly enough and kind of sadly this episode is going to be topical because, well, I guess topical when record it, we're banking a lot of episodes right now. So maybe this is like really old news. But with eight nominations was The French Connection, which won five. Won Best Picture, Best Director for William Friedkin, who has just fortunately passed away, um, Best Actor for Gene Hackman, Best Adapted Screenplay, and Best Film Editing. And there was another film with eight nominations called Fiddler on the Roof. It won three, it won Best Adapted Score which I believe is John Williams' first Oscar, Best Sound and Best Cinematography. Then there was a third film of eight nominations. This one only won two. It won Best Supporting Actor for Ben Johnson and Best Supporting Actress for Cloris Leachman, and that is the last picture show. But let about to say Last Tango in Paris, and I stopped myself. Two very different movies. Then with six nominations was Nicholas and Alexandra. It won two. It won Best Costume Design and Best Art Direction. Then there were two films of five nominations. One of them was Knobs and Broomsticks, which won Best Special Effects. The other one was a little film known as Mary Queen of Scots. Sarah, what was Mary Queen of Scots nominated for?
0: Well, it was nominated for Best Actress for Vanessa Redgrave. Uh, She lost to Jane Fonda for Clute. Uh, Vanessa Redgrave was nominated four more times and won one for Julia in 1978. Also, this is just a, a quick tangent. This was 1971. This was just a few months before Hanoi Jane, because I wanted to know if that would have affected her Oscar win. Um, Anyways, best art direction for Terrence Marsh and Robert Cartwright uh, and Peter Howitt. They lost to Ernest Archer, John Box, Jack, Max Gil Perondo, and Vernon Dixon for Nicholas and Alexandra. Uh, Marsh was also nominated for Scrooge and won two. Cartwright was nominated three more times. How It Was was Nominated Three More Times. Best Costume Design for Margaret First. Uh, She lost to Yvonne Blake and Antonio Castillo for Nicholas and Alexandra. Uh, She was nominated four more times and won one for Anne of the Thousand Days in 1970. Uh, Best Original Dramatic Score for John Barry, who lost to Michel Lebron for Summer of 42. Uh, He was also nominated for Chaplin in 1993 and won five. And finally, Best Sound for Bob Jones and John Alred. Uh, They lost to David Hilliard and Gordon K. McCallum for Fiddler on the Roof. Uh, Aldred was also nominated for Anne of A Thousand
3: Days. Now. Caleb, before you go into historic
2: context, I will do... I'm not even going to offer it this time to you. I'm going to just do it because there's really not a lot of ceremony information. The only thing that I thought was interesting was that this is an Oscar. I don't know if you remember. The last few have not been hosted. Like, they have not had hosts. They returned to having four hosts, which were Helen Hayes, Alan King, Sammy Davis Jr., and Jack Lemmon. Um, Wiki says it's a very big deal because Betty Grable made one for last public appearance at this thing. I do not care about Betty Grable, so I did not feel like it was important for me to mention, even though I did mention it. But what I do think is interesting, is this is the first time ever in history where on the television broadcast, they put cameras on each of the nominees so you'd get the reaction when the win was announced of the losers. So I do think that is actually a a big deal in the history of the telecast, I would say. Oh, wait, maybe I'm wrong. It says... Nominees were shown on superimposed image pictures while being announced. Maybe that just means they put up an image of them on the stage too. I don't know. Alas, I'm not in 1972, so I cannot answer this. Oh, and Charlie Chaplin won an honorary award, I guess. I guess that's kind of important.
1: Historic context. Guys, I could talk to you about the Protestant Reformation. I really could. I could do that for hours. I'm not going to do that because I feel like that'd be boring for all of y'all. No, this is, a, this is a historic biopic about a famous historical figure. Why did they make it? Because there was a book that was released a couple years earlier. Uh, the book was Mary Queen of Scots by Antonio Frazier. She wanted to dispel a lot of myths, which is ironic because this movie does not care about that and perpetuates um, at least one big myth and then a bunch of other just historical inaccuracies. Actually, it doesn't even perpetuate a myth. Mary and uh Mary and um Elizabeth never met. Um and in this they meet several times. So they meet twice. Uh, anyway.
2: Several means more than three. Sorry. I
1: get well they meet at least thing. three. I'm counting I'm counting her execution as a meeting, so they meet at uh, least three okay. yeah, times. Yeah. Sure. yeah, that's there's yeah, that's my historical context. Like I said, y'all can you don't really have to twist my arm to start talking about the Protestant Reformation, but I doubt anyone really cares.
2: Alright, Mary, Queen of Scots. What we think of it? It's a movie. was well, a movie. It was about Mary, Queen of Scots. It did not have Margot Robbie. It did not have Cherchees Ronin. This was the original. Well, technically, actually, it was a
0: her name's on... Her is not she It's Seerche.
2: Cherchees, sheesh, Go Got to judge that with my accent, That I'm definitely hitting all his names, right? Remember... Remember when we knew someone in high school in college named C.U. Bam. Anyway.
1: Danny, you can't be slurring your words like this. I'm the one who's a Margarita deep.
2: Well, let's get away because we're in Scotland. <laughs>
1: um, this movie, this movie, it's about, it needs to work. It's about two Queens who bump up against each other because who's the real queen? It's Elizabeth. Anyway. Um, can I just
2: say the DVD? I checked out the DVD from the library, and it had three bonus features. One of them was watch the whole movie without like the um, without the score. No, with just the score. Sorry. One of them was the promotional feature I to try to convince you to buy the DVD set with this movie. No one remembers from 1971. And the third was a trailer for upcoming film in the franchise Elizabeth the Golden Age.
0: <laughs> well. So I mentioned this movie Anne of the Thousand Days, and that was, I mean, that was basically a that prequel was, um, to this movie.
2: That was actually in the set that I checked out from the library. Was it had both films.
0: It was, I mean, the same director and the same crew. It just was about Anne Boleyn uh, who was in some way related to Queen Elizabeth. Uh, so, yeah.
2: Is there a moment in this movie where, like, I feel like near the beginning they mention Anne Boleyn. Is that like, you know... When like they turn to the camera at the end of Oppenheimer and they go like, "Looks like there's a son here known as JFK." I'm just using that as an example because that's, but that happens all the time in movies, you know, like like the post saying, Like, I wonder if the Washington Post is going to cause me more trouble. Next.
1: <laughs> I think it's fairly well integrated into this. There's a the beginning of this movie. There's a lot of name dropping and explanation. Uh, of different things. I'm really glad I looked into the history of this time period before I watched this because I think I'd be very confused if I didn't. Um, but it's better than that that part. In, it's better I than don't that mind part. The, Oppenheimer. The,
2: the, the, the bit in Oppenheimer is just a bit to me. Like the idea of treating it seriously is so funny to me. But anyway. Um,
1: it's also better than the. Uh, there are two things I want to combine in life New Mexico and quantum physics line. <laughs>
2: No, the actual worst one in um, Oppenheimer. Sorry, Sarah. We'll get off Oppenheimer. The worst one in Oppenheimer is when he goes tomorrow. I'm going to show you my favorite face, Fade to Black, and just hear Killian Murphy whisper, "Los Alamos." And
1: <laughs> it's a good movie, but man, there are so many bad lines. In it. I mean, it's a Christopher Nolan movie,
2: so I'm just saying, even if they are good, they usually have bad lines in them. Like, but. Anyway, I was going to say this was fine. I was enjoying it at the beginning, and then I realized it was going to be the same thing ad nauseum. Uh, it gave me some hot D vibes, which is always a plus when watching a movie like this. I'd rather it have more like fun politicking than like, you know, stuffy costume drama. I like scenes when people just talk to each other about how they're going to backstab each other. That's fun to me. But it does get very repetitive and has two, one of those, it's one of those things where there's too many characters and you and. You end up just recognizing the people who are either the main characters, obviously, or the ones who are like, "Oh, that's Timothy Dalton. Oh, that's Ian Holm." Like, you can easily pick them out just because you know who they are. And in the case of Timothy Dalton, I didn't actually recognize him, but I looked it up and I was like, "Oh, I guess that is young Timothy Dalton." And Then I couldn't he get looked, it out of my head.
0: He looked effed up.
2: His hair was really the, like, "What is? What's going on there?" Type of he looked
0: like he had like blue con. He looked like he looked like he was like playing an area. <laughs>
3: <laughs> like he had like a
0: blue contacts. In. He had like a blonde on He looked kind of weird, I'm just going to say.
1: He um he still has his jawline, but other than that, I think he's got he went exponentially hotter as he grew older.
0: I definitely
2: think um and then as a comparison more to the other person like we I just mentioned Ian Holm, Ian e. Holm, granted Alien isn't too far from here. I, I feel like I know young Ian Holm from Alien. So him him here was like, ah, oh, there he is. Cool. I guess we've reached a point where I will recognize like the actor at this age. Because even Jack Nicholson in Five Easy Pieces, he ages so much in the time between that and like the shining and stuff, and, like his eighties run, you know? But like here I was like, ah, yes, Ian Holm. There you go. Um but yeah, I don't know. I I didn't hate it, but I didn't love it. You know? It got kind of boring at points, but it would draw me back in.
1: It has a lot of good performances in it, especially from the two lead actresses, which I think helps carry it. But in general, it's more theatrical than it is cinematic, which makes it kind of drag a little bit.
2: I was um, going to mention that I did get some Monty Python vibes in this, like like vibes that this is what Monty Python is making fun of, especially whenever it'd be like, oh yes, the queen has uh, killed her uh, her husband. And now people are turning against her. It's just like, all right, like an army is being raised against her. It's like, oh, okay, great, cool. He didn't show me any of that. We just jumped ahead like a year, I guess. Okay. And then at the end, it's like, she was 25 the whole time. And I was like, what?
1: Yeah, she has a line where she like rails against John Knox because he married a 15 year old, but like her entire life was being married off as a teenager.
2: Yeah. Um, well, I don't know. I, I do think it's a, it's a, it's really hard to talk about the plot about this because it is kind of like one of those things where it does eventually become what I've referred to before on the show as like a Wikipedia article where it's like, here's what Mary Queen of Scots did next that had this happen and this happened. And nothing of interest happened here at the very end. So we're going to jump ahead like 40 years or whatever, you know?
1: Yeah. I mean, the, the overall kind of view of, um, I'm not Scottish. I don't know this history that well. Should have got Mary. Scott. No, we don't need to pigeonhole Scott into talking about bad Scottish movies um, <laughs> or bad American movies made in Scotland. No. Um, now I have to check. Uh,
2: Charles Jarrett is British. Sorry, I just had to check.
1: Okay. <laughs> uh, Mary is born in born in Scotland, raised in France, moves back to France, and takes over, but. There's a lot of different power struggles and the big the big conflict here there are two conflicts. There's one over who is the rightful heir to the throne because of all the Henry V nonsense. Um people see Elizabeth as a bastard and Mary as purebred and, or you know, but that really comes down to whether or not they think that the Catholic Church should be in charge or the Anglican Church. Um and of course Elizabeth is on the Anglican side and Mary is on the Catholic side and there's a lot of different political intrigue and backstabbing going on there. Timothy Dalton comes in as like a himbo type character who is supposed to just kind of stand around and be pretty, but has aspirations and those get him into trouble. And eventually it ends with Mary maybe, or maybe not being framed for an assassination coup against Elizabeth. And so she gets her head chopped off.
2: Then also Ian Holm shows up for an Ian Holm role. It is a very Ian Holm role. Like, oh, of course this is the role you'd give him. He's like the advisor who is gay. Which I assume is not historically accurate.
1: No. (laughs) Well, I mean, who knows? Because, like, who knows? But there isn't really any evidence to it.
2: What else was I going to say about... Oh, so I looked up Charles Sparrow when I mentioned he was British. I want to point out his Wikipedia page, you know, is like, he's known for this. And then, like, who he's related to died of prostate cancer. Then, the middle paragraph is Pauline Kale hated him and, like, has a quote from her review. It's like, no style or personality. He's just a traffic manager on sets. Like, dang. It's a fun way to put it.
1: Also, I mean, most of what.
2: Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. Go
1: ahead. No, most of what he made is TV, TV movies. And you can definitely tell this is a TV movie with the budget to get. Like enough locations to make it historically accurate.
2: I was going to say one of his TV movies I texted you guys about it, is he did Being the Ricardos before Being the Ricardos, Lucy and Desi colon before the laughter wow. with Francis Fisher as Lucille Ball.
0: I bet it was probably better
3: written. Womp womp. I would agree. Probably it was written by William Luce, but I don't know. But uh, okay, let's talk about. Mary Queen of Scots.
2: This is a movie... Like, the person? Yeah. Let's talk about, let's talk about the person. Who do you think wow. was better in the role?
3: Her? The person from the silent movie? Or... Margot Robbie? Margot Robbie <laughs> didn't play her. <laughs> what? It was another shared role, like atonement. Really? Um, I actually didn't know that.
0: Yeah, they see. So, yeah. You, here she plays a young Vanessa.
3: I they,
2: thought one of them was the one, the queens, and one of them was the other queen. I never saw the movie.
0: Mark, Have you ever seen Margot with her hair, like, whoop? like her forehead, like, the whoop?
3: Queen. Yeah, well, Elizabeth. Hold on. I'm looking at this. Okay, no. I thought you were saying they were
2: a dual role. They were playing the same person. Okay, I was confused. I thought you were like saying like Margot played older Queen of Scots. No, I was confused. No,
3: do you
0: think they look alike or something?
2: No, I was just confused. <laughs> That's what I meant. That's why I was like, what?
3: No. Um.
2: Uh, this movie has Joe Alwyn in it. There's a guy.
3: Not anymore. Um. <laughs> Uh
0: we went to a museum when we were there. We went to some museum in Glasgow and it was like it had like a it was like an art museum, I guess. And there were like paintings about her. And I like was starting to read it and Scott was like, Oh yeah, you know, Mary Queen of Scots. And I was like, Yeah, you know her.
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> and I didn't finish reading it because it was a lot of text on one little
3: placard. So I don't really all I knew was that she got Beheaded. I gotta say, there's a lot of good um There's a lot of good quotes from Glenda Jackson on the Wikipedia page for this
2: movie. She demanded that her scene could be all of her scenes could be shot in three and a half weeks, quote, before boredom set in. Then also she said, Elizabeth is no virgin the way I'm playing her.
1: Ooh.
0: Well, Let's just um, say she was an expert at playing Elizabeth because she played her twice in the same year.
1: Yeah, the other the other was uh, also written by the same guy, John Hale. Um, but that one was actually a TV thing because it was on the BBC.
2: So what you're saying is we need to combine these scenes to make a giant miniseries so the it's Game like of that Thrones guy, Live can be complete.
0: It's like that one guy who keeps playing Charles Manson. <laughs>
2: Or the guy who was plays JFK, who I was really bummed wasn't an Oppenheimer. Imagine if instead of him saying "There's a senator," here, it just panned over to that guy who always
3: <laughs> plays JFK.
1: <laughs> I was about to ask if there is a actor who has portrayed a historical figure in multiple things. But yeah, you're right. The Charles Manson guy and the JFK guy both uh, <laughs> both make a consistent paycheck. I'm I'm sure there's a Marilyn Monroe actress out they there too. They should do.
2: I don't watch the new show. I don't watch it, but I know that Clone high. They definitely should like do an episode where like they magically it. become live action for a second, just so they can get that actor and then dub in the like now on the Canada and like the really bad JFK ones they have on that show. That guy's like, Nothing bad
1: ever happens yeah, to the, the Kennedys.
2: I've never seen that show. I mean, I've seen the memes, but um. What was I gonna say? Okay, so Patrick McGowan in this movie was very specifically who was giving me the Hot D vibes. Did you watch Hot D? I forget. I know sorry you didn't, uh, Caleb. Okay, so there's Rus offense role in the show, which I'm sure if you guys have seen him in that show, you'd immediately get like, oh yeah, that vibe is Rhys re- re- I guess, is Rhys re- Ifans to- in H- House of the Dragon. His-, his vibe in that show is incredibly like this guy in this movie, who's like, he plays Jimmy Stewart, who's the villain. Um, Jimmy Stewart is Mary's half brother, and he's the the first Earl of Moray. What's
3: wow. good. Did anyone come up to, to, to agree with me or
2: disagree with me on the recipient's box? <laughs> I mean, I know what it no, looks I, like,
3: I don't, I don't I know. I did
1: look up what hot D was before you explained it, and uh,
3: well, it's fun to call it show hot D.
1: Um, I think. I mean, I actually think that you can tie a connection between this and hot D because you look at you look at what HBO did for her historical dramas and I'm not going to say they did anything like realistic or anything like that. But what you get with Deadwood and what you get with uh, Rome that would John feed Adams. into Sorry. what oh, about like, sir, like, like
0: Boardwalk Empire?
1: Yeah, that would feed into how they tackled certain things in in Game of Thrones, which obviously isn't historical. But, you know, um, there's just there's just n- like I don't have any interest in like a glamorous production of these affairs. I want to see kind of like the grittiness of it. Um, if you're going to stab Ian Holmes like 17 times, I don't want it to be this ridiculous thing of like he falls out of camera, someone like swipes down, then he jumps back up into frame, and like is has this ridiculous expression on his face. Uh, No, no insult to Ian Holmes, uh, great actor, but I just feel like there's there's so much there's so much weight to these actions that's lost in kind of the pomp and circumstance of the of the genre.
2: I would agree. I also think it's really interesting to look at this movie from the perspective of where we are. By that, I mean, you know, the last two movies we've covered, honestly, I think everything since In Cold Blood, with the exception of, of course, if we want to count Scrooge, which we should count Scrooge, has been like, here is the new Hollywood. And Scrooge, you know, was very much a, here is the old Hollywood trying to make a good musical and giving you whatever. I think, in a way, Not that I think this is a good movie. I don't think it's bad. I think this is like Hollywood trying to perfect the historical drama with the tropes they had in the '60s, but try to make it more palatable for today. Because another big thing that we haven't we mentioned offhand, but we're not mentioning as a trend, is you know, in the '60s, a lot of our movies were three hours long, two hours fifty minutes. Um, Bob and Carol, Ted and Alice, No uh, Five Easy Pieces, all clocking around ninety to hundred, right? And here's a movie that probably five years before this movie came out, if it came out, it'd probably be three hours long. Uh, I know star is kind of a star. The musicals are kind of in their own world, but this is like, even though this still feels long, this is still like, I believe a hundred, sorry, it's like 130 minutes, which is, and that's with intermissions and an overture. So like, this is way shorter than the ones we've been watching. And in a way, I actually do feel like it is, quickly paced it's just that there's so much stuff happening that it's hard to care about it if that makes sense
1: especially the beginning is very good about jumping from scene to scene and kind of creating a dialogue between elizabeth and mary and i and i think that definitely helps the pace a little bit eventually the movie kind of forgets about elizabeth for long chunks of time which i do think hurts things
2: I think Vanessa Redgrave is fine in this, but inherently with the way the script is written, I don't know if there's anything about like Mary in actuality, but with the way the script is written, she just kind of is there, if that makes sense. Like she's kind of passive until the end, right? And then at the end, she gets to finally do some stuff, but then before then, it's like, and it's really frustrating because, you know, the Queen, sorry, the Queen, Elizabeth when her she's in her scene, she's driving her scene, you know? And then when it's Mary, Queen of Scots, it's just kind of like, oh, I want to marry this guy who's obviously being set up to be a jackass, you know? It's just a little, it's a little bit of a bummer to me, even though I think she's good. I just think the writing on her, and maybe that's, that's probably who Mary, Queen of Scots was. Maybe it wasn't. I don't know. Someone come after me and say, Danny, you know none of this. You know nothing, Danny. You know nothing. I don't know if you guys had that issue with I think that was another reason I kept wanting to go back to Elizabeth because she would like be more proactive in her scenes.
0: I don't think that Mary was passive. I think that she just did what she wanted to do. She wanted to marry this guy. She wanted to have an affair with this guy. She wanted to go to the border. She wanted to be Catholic. She wanted to follow her husband. Like She wanted to do stuff. And I think that she... In certain scenes was capable of saying, "I'm the queen, so you have to listen to me. I just think that she was a little bit more like you know gung- ho about using her status versus obviously Elizabeth had this image of being very queenly um, and you know, I hate to say it like this, but you know, unimpeachable because she was the virgin queen, so I think that Mary. It's kind of a, I don't know, maybe there's some deeper metaphor here, but Mary was very free. And I think that how they portray Elizabeth is very kind of uptight and very like conscious of the rules.
1: Well, and you get that line in one of the conversations between them near the end where uh, Elizabeth is like, uh, tells Mary, if you had ruled with your head, the same way you rule with your heart, you'd be queen right now. And I think that's kind of getting what you're talking about there. The movie is trying to set up a dynamic between them where one is more passionate and one is more logical. Um, But I, like I said, I I feel like they kind of lose eyes on Elizabeth for too long for that to really pay off.
0: Well, I think, well, it also, because they didn't, know each other i mean surely i mean obviously they knew of each other but i think not having that like full timeline or like i mean trying to extrapolate a timeline as well i think that that's kind of where we lose elizabeth because it's not really about her but yeah i mean i liked her i really liked Lina jackson
3: but get your own movie I gotta say also, this is not obviously the movie's fault, but this
2: is super important. Uh, I always get thrown off when Vanessa Redgrave is in a movie and there's someone else in the movie with red hair and it's not her. I feel like since her name is Redgrave, she should be the one with red hair.
0: Alright, thank you for sharing.
2: (laughs) Thank you for coming to the show uh, for
1: this TED Talk. Um, what do y'all think about Timothy Dalton's <laughs> Dalton and his character?
0: Well, uh, first of all, just how he looked compared to... Like, he sounded like Timothy Dalton, which is, like, really your only clue that it's him. But he definitely... He definitely seemed like he should be a little bit more effeminate. <laughs> he just seemed, like, very... Timothy. He, I mean, my... Like, obviously, he's, like, James Bond. I know him from, like, Chuck. uh, But I always go back to Hot Fuzz just because he's the villain in that. And he's, you know, like, he's so, like, front and center in that movie. So I just kept thinking of him, like, scheming in that same way.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I would say that uh, I enjoyed him in this movie. While also thinking he was, frankly, pretty...
3: Ridiculous, you know, like he not, like, he's, like, just he's just bad goofy, he's just a silly little guy, yeah
1: i <laughs> he's he's giving off very himbo energy, um, and I kind of love it, uh,
3: but like man, he's such a ridiculous character, <laughs> yeah, and it's also like. It's one of those things that I don't, okay. I, I ultimately come on the side of like, and
2: here's why. It's because I feel like he and the way he acts is the thing that keeps me into being like, okay, so this isn't like aiming for realism, right? This is, this is a movie that is going to be kind of dumb, but that's not a problem. Really?
0: I don't know. What? I thought it was pretty dumb on their wedding night. First of all, I love that they were having dinner outside of the party. I love that. <laughs> I just thought it was so dumb on his we- on their wedding day for him to be like, I'm the king! I'm the king! Like, no, you're not.
2: <laughs> Get over it, punk.
0: Like, literally, they hadn't even consummated the marriage yet. And he was already acting that way.
2: He's, uh, he's a little ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> it's also ridiculous how he immediately becomes like that when he's so good at, like, the facade right before it. And as soon as he gets married, he's like, all right, I made it. No more. No more joking around.
1: And there is that whole subplot with him. It's not even a subplot. It's a scene with him being in a relationship with Ian Holmes character. And you're like, so was that all a front he was putting on? Is he bi? Is he gay? What's going on here? Like it's, it's this thing they made up for the movie that then they just ignore for most of the movie.
2: See though, it adds drama because he kills her. Him.
3: Sorry. He kills him. What?
2: He doesn't Why you kill
3: anybody. You? He does. He does. Okay. <laughs> all he right. Kills. He kills He's
1: in an adjacent room when Ian home dies. He
2: hires just... someone to kill Ian home. He's like, kill Daenerys. And then they're like, all right, we'll kill him. And they kill Daenerys. Well, first of all, scary.
0: Daenerys got stabbed by Jon Snow. So,
3: what? Nobody hired that
0: guy. <laughs> nobody was hired to kill her. <laughs> I mean, there was a guy who was hired to kill her, but that was like in season one.
2: <laughs> would you, would you, um, if you met someone named Daenerys that was our age, would you be confused? Or
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the books have been around for a long time. Maybe their parents are just OG fans.
2: Uh, I should look up when the first game of Thrones book was written I'm just curious well
0: the show came out in 2010 so you got 13 year olds around you're right
2: Khaleesi. I'm surprised in a way that I haven't had a Khaleesi and no you know what I don't think it's possible for us to know Daenerys that's exactly alright maybe Caleb first book came out August 1st 1996 so I guess hypothetically if someone read this book and was like oh my god I love Daenerys what a
3: beautiful well, day.
0: <laughs> but it's like, it's so weird because I feel like our parents are maybe, well, I guess your parents are older than mine, but like my parents, like people of their age started naming their kids like Luke and like, like that sort of vibe. So it's always been a thing.
2: I remember once seeing this Reddit thing where it's like, am I the asshole for, um, wanted to name my... So I named my daughter this, and my wife doesn't know it's named after Firefly characters. The is named after Firefly Yeah, I've seen that one before. <laughs> it's like, it's um, Zoe, which is a normal name, but then it's like, yeah, her is a, a Firefly character too.
1: <laughs> Listen, I can't judge anyone for being named after anything, because I'm named after a biblical character, so that's yes, like the yeah. OG fandom.
0: That's yeah. true. I'm going to name my child Madeline after the French
3: orphan, so... I was gonna name my cha- my daughter um Barbie Oppenheim.
2: Bad bit, bad bit, I'm getting I'm getting thumbs down. You got so ruined eyeballs.
3: <laughs> it's not funny anymore. <laughs> I'm
1: gonna name my kid Mary Queen of Scots.
2: <laughs> you know, if you think about it, it'll be funny because you're gonna be the queen of Scott too all right that's gross. <laughs> that's gross that's gross Danny's
0: my son will be the error
1: kind of like he likes to joke
0: because it's like because they're doing like another referendum vote i think in like 2025 and he's like he's gonna vote and then he's gonna immediately leave because <laughs> he's gonna move here They won't get it anyways.
2: But Billy Connolly's going to campaign for them. I found out this recently. Anyway,
0: that's true. When I went, I mean, it's very I don't know if he lives in like a progressive area or what, but there was a lot of like pro-independence
3: stuff. All
1: right. I mean, I I definitely think pro-independence has become more and more uh, tempting since Brexit. What what know, do we
3: I'm have to say about this movie? <laughs> <laughs> this movie reminded me of a song to remember.
0: It felt the same. It was filmed the exact same way. The acting was the same. In fact, the cinematography from Song to Remember was more exciting. I think that well, the acting was better in this one, but it felt like this movie could have been from the 30s, 40s, 50s.
1: I'm one, I'm impressed that you remember a song to remember. <laughs> um but two I I do agree. I think they are similar.
2: It was more memorable than I remember Mama.
1: That's true. Um, I, I do think they're similar, but I think the thing that maybe puts Song to Remember above this is that it's like that at least has a thematic core about like what an artist's responsibility is. This is like, there's kind of that relationship between Mary and Elizabeth, but I really think the core is that it's like, this is a historic figure people have been looking at. Uh, we should make a movie about her. And I don't know. I don't think that's enough to really carry, you know, your movie.
0: See, I really liked the end. I really liked, I th- I mean, it's like that corny thing where it's like, Elizabeth was queen for 14 more years. And you're like, okay, this is corny. But then I love like it's the like final. A, it's like, like the, when,
2: uh, it's like an air when
3: it ends with Michael Jordan went on to become the greatest basketball player of all time. Sorry. <laughs>
0: like the final line is like the king the only live the only like successor to the throne was James who was Mary's son. Like that's like a cool line to me cuz you're like, "Whoa, it was all for nothing." But like I don't think that the through line of the movie was about the succession. I mean, it was meant to be, but I think that it just there wasn't like first of all, Elizabeth should have gotten married and had children. If that was the issue. <laughs> but it just. It didn't live up to its potential. In that final moment for me.
2: I don't know why. It was very much to me. That the ending kind of lost me. And I think I can tell you exactly why. It was just because they started using old age makeup. I was kind of like. Oh. All right. I guess this is a massive time jump. And I don't really ever clarify how long it's been. And I don't know. It just kind of made me lose interest immediately kind of weird. I thought the better scene between the two of them was a scene with them in the forest, where I keep wanting to quote one of the top Letterboxd reviews for this, but I can't say it because I'm not British. Um,
3: it's got a swear in it.
0: Well, that's not, that's a myth anyways. I, they, use, they use it just the same as us.
1: I do think, I do want to leave our listeners with the impression, because I do think it's true. I do. I think that both of these actresses are giving really good performances with kind of so-so material, but I think they both have different times to shine. And if you watch this exclusively just for those performances, and maybe you like these kind of Elizabethan period pieces or whatever, um, I don't think it's a waste of your time. I do definitely think that not being three hours is a benefit to the movie.
3: Yeah, I would definitely say this movie. I think it's interesting
2: because Wiki, you know, Wiki always has this thing at the top where it's like criticisms were there because, um, you know, like it received praise for this, uh, criticism for this, and one of the criticisms the running length, and then it never elaborates. And it's like, oh, what do you mean the issue is the running length? Did you did people at the time want this to be longer? Because I think it's fine. If anything, maybe a little bit shorter, but like. If they
3: want to cover everything, I get why they have to take this long on it, you know. Yes. Thanks. <laughs> hey guys, uh, who'd you
1: back, Elizabeth or or Mary?
3: I think the better question is which of
2: these. I, I don't want to be like, what about the men here? But I feel like it's more interesting to be like, which of these three men that were jockeying to be king of Scots would you back?
0: Well, <laughs> I think there's well, there's different dynamics. I see. <laughs> I'm just a girl, so I'm looking at it like, which husband do you like?
2: Well, one of them is <laughs> a brother, though. One of them is a the brother. I would, yeah. But the she has a-, a
0: husband who's the king of France, oh, and yeah. then there's Francois. then there's her husband or her, her her brother, and then there's the and there's Timothy Dalton who's the bimbo, and then there's there's
2: also the guy from Star who okay is he's Elizabeth's there too. lover, but also isn't. An- an
1: option,
0: but did she gonna- get married to him? She gets married to him.
1: No,
2: right? no, 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 no. She gets no. Married she to, she so marries she, she
1: marries Dalton instead,
2: and then he goes. on
0: going like I can't believe she wouldn't wanted me. One
2: well, and then, and then
1: Elizabeth like, throws hands. I love that scene.
0: And then she also is with Ian Holm, and then she gets married to somebody else before she gets married to the last
3: guy. Who is she? No, having? I thought. I think it's just Francois. <sighs> yeah, oh. No,
1: I think it's I think it's then just the Scottish lord.
3: Okay,
0: and then it's her little bodyguard, who she loved, who was her one true love all along.
1: I mean, out of all these options, they're all they're all bad. Um, I'd go Ian Holm though. He's a, uh, he's like a spy for the God. Pope, but he seems to like probably have her best interests at heart and thus would have my best interests at heart so I'd marry him. Also, you know musician. That's very That's
2: cute.
0: I like her last husband. Also,
3: IMDb tells me that this is uh, Jack Davenport's dad. Whoa. Good for him. (laughs) Good for him being an eppo baby. Yeah. Hey, we all know that Nepal babies aren't real. All right. Ben Pratt right. told me that. All right. <laughs> um. Anyways,
0: I, yes, I like her last husband. And I'm, I mean, I can't exactly vote for the English side. So I have to throw it all in for Mary.
2: I feel like, wait, wait, to add something to the Nepal baby thing, I want to say that the, the citation needed on his Wikipedia page. But according to Jerry Brookheimer, producer of the Parts of the Caribbean films, Jack Danforth was pat, passed. <laughs> Partially just because of Nigel's involvement in a film called The High Wind in Jamaica.
3: Oh, Which my is God. a pirate movie from 1965. But he so, was,
2: like,
0: an established actor at that point. Like, he was in other stuff. Well,
2: as I said, there is a citation needed. Oh, uh, my God. This, but- I actually feel <laughs> bad
3: for this Nepo baby right
2: now. But <laughs> so, yeah. I just feel like when we said Nepo baby, it's like, well, uh, Wiki does say he is, in fact, a Nepo baby. So
3: I will say...
0: I haven't rewatched those movies within the past, like, two years. And obviously I have some bias. (laughs) But Jack Davenport, best part of those movies. He's definitely the
2: best part of the second one. I remember when he shows up in the second one for that, like, three. He's the the one who's in the three.
3: He's on the wheel fight, right? Yes. Yeah. Great fight. Cool fight. Sure. Anyway. I don't know. I'm sorry. I've I've got a headache, too. And uh, I don't know anything about Mary.
2: Queen of squats. Queen of well, you just
3: watched a whole movie about her.
2: Well, I hate to tell you this, but it jumped over most of her life. And then at the end, revealed if she was 25 the entire time for most of the movie. I don't know. I stick by, I'm sorry. I stick by my take. I, I do think the movie is, she might be strong, like with her female, like choosing who she wants to be with. But I do think the movie is a lot of her sitting around being passive. There's long passages of the movie where she just. Kind of is there whining about who she's with. And not like it's a really bad thing that she's whining about it, but just kind of, I don't know. It just didn't work for me. Oh my gosh, Jack Davenport was in Smash.
0: You know I knew that.
2: I didn't know (laughs) that. He's married to somebody.
0: He's yeah, married to Michelle Gomez, who was in Sabrina, the Teenage Witch, or the, with the Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, and Doctor Who. She played Missy on Doctor
3: Who.
2: Oh, that's what I actually know her from is Missy. That's kind of crazy. She was also in the Loud House movie. I and she's in, uh, Oh, it's the Loud House movie. Never mind. That makes sense. I thought it was live-action. Live loud House movie I was a no. like live-action oh. voice.
3: And she's in Doom Patrol, too.
2: She should be in Paw Patrol.
3: Sock <laughs> <Saw> Patrol. <laughs>
2: I'll say what I said recently. I believe that's a false flag operation.
3: I need you to acknowledge it as something beyond that. Anyway. I don't know. Do you guys have anything else you want to say about this movie?
1: Not really. I enjoyed it more than I thought I would, but still not much.
3: Yeah, it's pretty mid. Although, again, I didn't hate it. I just thought it was mid. What was his nominated for? Uh, well, it was
0: nominated for Best Actress, for Vanessa Redgrave, Best Art Direction, Best Costume Design, Best Original, Dramatic Score, and Best
3: Sound. I'm going to be boring. and I will pick the costumes. I like them. They're cool. They're good costumes. Um... I guess
1: I'll give it the same. The Costumes are fine, but they never have like a moment. Like I was, I was looking for like a, uh, a sparkly jumpsuit from Star. They do moment. have a moment. There were two they moments, moments in my the opinion. red dress. Moment. I'm thinking about
2: the the morning dress where she's like there, just hearing a message from Esther and She's like, "I'm sorry, I'm still in mourning," and she like takes her veil. Are that's you talking about
0: Elizabeth?
2: Yeah, I'm talking about Liz. Is that the dress? It
0: had, like, like, like it was, like, jeweled out in the collar, that one?
2: I might have been. I'm just thinking about the morning dress.
3: I think it was the same one. Also, their wigs were statched.
1: Wigs were good. So, I guess I could give it. Well, no, because I wasn't nominated for that. (laughs) Um, No, I'll give it to Vanessa Redgrave. I think she did fine.
2: I'm glad that we think that fine. We're taking Jane Fonda's only Oscar.
0: No, I'm kidding. And she'll never get one again. Uh,
3: uh, uh.
0: Never forget what happened just a few months later.
1: You can't get mad at me for picking something. You created this game. Anything that I picked. What do you want
2: to nominate? Is it the makeup because you like the hair?
1: No. (laughs) Uh, No. Linda, what was her name? Uh, The other queen?
2: Linda Jackson.
1: Glenda Jackson, a uh, former member of parliament of the United Kingdom. That's who I'm gonna give it to. Because uh even though she uh best supporting.
2: Okay, I was curious if you were gonna put her in leader supporting.
1: She disappears throughout the movie. I don't think you can put her in lead. All right, but,
2: she was you can, a put member. Her wherever, you can put her wherever you want to put her. <laughs>
1: it's true. Okay, I'm gonna put her in best makeup.
2: <laughs> so that's not what I meant. No, actually, hold on a second. I'm pretty sure. She was nominated for, like, a Globe for this. Like, she was nominated somewhere for it. Yeah, yeah. She was nominated lead at the Globes.
3: So, I then. Uh, she was a member of the, the Labour Party. So, you don't need to feel bad about that.
1: Good.
0: Also, she just died two months ago.
1: Uh, rest in peace.
3: Yeah. So did William Friedman. Mm, He's not a on this week's episode of
2: The Snub Club, um,
3: you're really, you're really to... pushing me, Danny. Whoa,
2: wait, was this the year
3: that. Sorry, go on. Sorry, go on. I'm going to give it to Glenda Jackson in supporting. I will. Because that's away. how they would have campaigned her. Is this the year? Is she not getting nominated for an Oscar?
2: Oh my gosh. Sorry, I got distracted because I saw on the page for the. um. Oh, wait, she would have been lead. Never mind. That's why I don't see her. And she is, I believe. No, she isn't. Whatever. I'm not going to forget about it now. I was wondering about um, Jessica Walter getting nominated for Play Misty for me. Because I saw she was nominated at the Globes for it, and I don't see her on here. But anyway, um, I'm going to give it to Best Supporting, but I'm not going to give it to Glendid Jack. And I'm a little disappointed. don't give it to Dalton. Because I'm not going to give it to Ivory, but I was expecting someone would have given him it. I'm going to give it to Nigel
3: Davenport. I'm pretty sure it's really it Davenport alright I'm gonna give it to Nigel Davenport <laughs> alright well you know what that's better uh, I thought he did a good job before he was given I feel like he really gets to the soul of his character and I liked him a lot in the movie you guys want to know what we're doing right next on. time
1: yeah, tell me. Wow. Tell us. Well, let tell me tell them.
2: you, it is a big day for the snub pop. We're covering a movie from the director of a future
3: franchise blockbuster. Superman four. That's kind of scary. Piece.
1: The best Superman please. movie.
3: Drumroll, drum roll, please. Forty fifth Academy
2: Awards. With five nominations, no wins. It's Sumi J. Juries. Lady sings the blues. This is a Billy Holiday biopic by Diana Ross and Billy D. Williams and Richard Pryor. So I think it's going to be an interesting time. Interesting watch. I actually, I actually fully like, expect I probably won't like this. Um, but it'll be an interesting watch. I
1: don't know. This is like an actual classic. I almost went to see this in theaters a couple of years ago.
2: I've heard Bye. Nick's things when they came out with the new one that people were like reevaluating this one. Um, but I've never seen it. I've only seen the new one. Which is not good. I'm sure I will talk about it and other recent musical biopics on the episode. Because I actually think, isn't this our first like real musical biopic? Because Star was... It's a biopic about a musical person, but it's not like a singer like this.
3: Uh, a song to remember. A hey. okay, all right, that, that was more like tar Jr., if you think about it. Anyway, I don't want to
1: think about that hard. Um,
3: I'm Miss. you can call me on letterbox.dev
2: blankments. It's my ever podcast looking for the ocean. I picked our dream.
1: I'm Caleb Bunn. You can find me at Cale from the Real World on Instagram and YouTube. From there, you can find my litany of other podcasts Hot Trash Unlimited, Star Wars Therapy, and All New 52, which I do with our editor Joe. Thanks, Joe.
0: Thanks, Thank Joe. Thank
1: you, Joe. Uh,
0: you can find me on Letterboxd. I was gonna say my name, but it's not anymore. It's S G K E S S G E E K Y. You can find me on Instagram at threads. S G K 29 E S S G E K Y 29. You can find the Snub Club on Facebook, the Snub Club, Instagram, Snub Club Podcast, X Snub Club Pod.
3: All right. We'll see you next time when the lady sings the blues. Bye.